Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Well, hey there all you DC Comics News fans, comic book fans, fans of comics, DC Comics, lists, podcasts, or maybe just the sound of my voice while you're driving to work, doing some dishes, or whatever else it is you like to do while my voice is just, you know, meandering along in the background by the... What is that? Hold on. Hold... Ah, there we go. Sorry. Uh... Full disclosure, I had full knee replacement surgery recently, and it's it's going pretty well. But in between, uh, I've got this ice machine, and sometimes I forget it's running. It's kind of become part of the soundtrack of my life, much as has the outside, because it's, well, it's been getting hot lately all over the country. Um, for those of us here in the U.S., if you're somewhere else in the world and it's cooler or hotter and you want to brag or compare... Uh, we're okay with that. Let us know. We tell you all the ways. Just use the at symbol in DC Comics News, and that will make sure we all know what you're thinking and what you want us to know. So what exactly does that mean for you? Well, there's a couple things to consider. One, um, with the, the windows open, uh, I am more prone to allergies, so my voice kind of up and down, maybe a little nasally, maybe a little gravelly. And then there's, of course, the neighborhood. You're going to hear just a little bit more than you would have before because the windows are open. Because I mentioned that earlier, and it's a factor. Cars driving by, birds squawking, maybe some outdoor maintenance or projects, whatever it might be. That's all part of the package. I invite you to join me in an attempt to cool off. But a nice thing is, along with the heat, sometimes comes good things, great things. Not always that the heat creates them, but they might accompany. Kind of like that, uh, you know, your friends aren't laughing at you, but they aren't laughing with you. Robin Williams would say they were laughing near you. I like the word adjacent myself. Now, when it comes to friends, well, that could be an important thing to keep in mind as I start out this. Episode number 108, the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for hanging out with me each and every time you do. If you're a regular, awesome. If you're not and this is your first time through, well, welcome. You've arrived at the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, a great place to pick out and hear my top five picks from DC Comics each and every week, just like I used to as a kid when I had that spinner rack and there was only so much money. And that meant 
only so many books. For this list, it's always going to be five. Topping our list for number 108 is Crush and Lobo in a story titled Crush is the Best Girlfriend Ever. Shut up. Written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Amanke Nahuelpan. Colors by Tamara Bonvillain. Letters by Ariana Maher. Sorry, Ariana Maher. I think I sort of ran over the second half of her first name. Cover by Chris Anka. Pride variant cover by Yoshi Yoshitani. Team variant cover by Dan Hip. And the 125 variant cover, Christian Ward. Do you like that phrasing, 125? Does that, does that work for you? Would you like a ratio of 1 to 25? I, l- let me know, because it's going to come up every once in a while. Just like that sort of outdoor noise I'm just picking up a little bit in the background. So here we are talking about DC Comics, Crush and Lobo number one. Crush, Crush is loyal, if there's one thing. I mean, she points out pretty quickly that she came from a, a kind of yucky time, a time where she had parents who were a little bit loose with how they obeyed the law and then found out that her biological father is none other than Lobo, which isn't great. But then again, somehow, Crush finds a way to, to land on her feet, to meet amazing people and develop great relationships. She had a great relationship when she was a part of the uh, Teen Titans, but that has changed. And now, now she's with Katie and Katie is wonderful and amazing and delightful and adorable. And you gotta love someone who's wearing a Fangs sweatshirt and polka dot, I think pajama pants, but I couldn't be sure for her own birthday. Now, what kind of made me chuckle was the Harley Quinn-esque birthday cone caps on top of her head. And the way Crush is just so happy to be with Katie. I mean, there's a beautiful splash page on page 11 that looks just wonderful. And it's the two of them dancing and then holding. And then, of course, there's the fact that Crush is struggling with, you know, how to be around all these people, whether it's Katie's parents, whether it's Katie's friends, who seem to really be taken in by Crush's uh, attire, as well as her makeup selection. But if it doesn't make you feel weird enough, Crush forgets that, you know, sometimes when you go all the way out into space, um, there's this, like, plan And uh, whenever you uh, come back from space, especially, say, you're with the Teen Titans, there's usually a protocol to make sure that you isolate, make sure that you didn't bring anything bad with you back from an intergalactic environment. Of which, well, yes, actually, that's exactly what Crush did. And guess what? Her and Katie are now a bit on the outs, and no one can help, whether it's Red Arrow showing up, Whether it's a video from dear old dad letting you know that uh, he's in prison and he's feeling much, much better now, but he would love to reconnect because wouldn't it just be so great? Now, if it's me, I'm definitely not taking up that offer. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's ominous with the way the wind's blowing the blinds around suddenly. Like there's some like, don't do that spirit that's talking to me. But whether it is or not... uh, I was drawn in immediately by the concept. I mean, Lobo is someone I don't think anyone would want to have as a father, and Crush is stuck with him. And there's a chance to actually, like, 
maybe have a civil conversation. Personally, I'm pretty sure she's going to get used because he's a user and that's just the reason he would have her come out so he could, you know, figure out some way to take advantage of whatever she can offer to get him out of his lockup. Plus, he's pretty bloodthirsty considering he's the lass's army and, and he's the reason why. So, yeah, there's that. Gorgeous Art by Nuelpon. Uh, just, I hope I'm saying that right. Now, Nuelpon, I could be just butchering it completely. Please, if you know, let me know. I'm okay with it. Good chance, even if you tell me the right way, I still might get it wrong, because that's something I do. I love the voice and the colors. I love the beautiful hues of pinks and the fact that even Crush points this out when she's at Katie's party. I love the, the really realistic. I mean, there's something about Crush that feels like she's a part of Kiss or a fan and just wearing makeup. And Katie's uh, expressions are really great. There's so much about this that I really enjoy, and I can see why there would be a reason to not only pick up issue number one, but nab this whole series, because you never know how long stuff's going to be around. This one's only one of eight to limited. Uh, if this is how first one is going to be, who knows what two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. I can't wait to see if they end up here on an episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. And with that, I am happy to move away from one great 5 out of 5 book to yet another. Granted, I'm jumping around and I'm picking my choice, but there's a reason why. I'm a big fan of what Crime Syndicate is offering as far as, well, not only telling a tale about a place we usually only see when they're harassing the Justice League, but also about the characters who make that place up, especially now. Especially because, well, there's, there's what we think of the place where they come from. Uh, and there's also what we know, or think we know. Remember, too, every time the universe is made, remade, twisted around, and spun upside down, things never shake out exactly as they were originally. Go back to the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then just plug along from there. And you'll find that in each great uh, catastrophic event, there's always the possibility of things never being as we remember them. That's the beauty of it all. That includes The Crime Syndicate, issue number four, written by Andy Schmidt, with uh, pencils by Kiernan McCown. Ooh, I hope I said that right. McCown? McCown. Well, I'm close. Maybe. Let me know. Uh, then we've got some wonderful inks from Dexter Vines, colors by Steve Olaf, letters by Rob Lay, with original cover by Howard Porter and Romulo Fajardo Jr., with a variant cover by Kerry Randolph and Peter Steigerwald. That bird in the background certainly sounds excited about all this great news. And what we get here is an opportunity to see just what it is that an Emerald Knight does by comparison to, say, someone who is a Green Lantern. What is it about a century, this century, the one who has come as a stranger to this world, who in many ways uh, represents the idea of ultimate control and the attempt to control all across a universe through something like a ring, similar to a Green Lantern's ring, and yet oh so very, very different. What we have also is the challenge of those like Alexander Luther, striving to do right in a world in which Ultraman and Owlman 
and so many other dangerous, villainous counterparts to the Justice League we know and love are threatening the very stability of the world. It's interesting to see who is recruited, whether it's Lonar of the New Gods, whether it's Thal Sinestro, who wields the yellow power and is the only one to have broken free of the green ring that controls all of its subjects. But we also get the opportunity to discover that with the relationships that are developed by those villainous foes that are a concern for Alexander Luther and all those who are willing to follow, an idea, a legion of justice. But also, there's a great backstory, well done, well collected, well created, and something I really enjoyed. It's the backstory, and it's the origin. And what we get from it is this idea that, uh, well, lots of people want to start out doing the right thing. But then they decide to do something else. In the attempt to do something else, to help someone, they find themselves, as it's described in this story, going down a slippery slope. Lovely writing by Andy Schmidt. Gorgeous art by Brian Hitch with Alex Sinclair, Alex Sinclair colors and Rob Lay letters. And from that, we get the idea of just what it means to want to do things, but then to have the control of that want taken out of your hands. And why it is that earlier, Thal Sinestro had the opportunity to break through to Stuart, to let him know that there was another option, another way, especially for a man whose daughter declares that the man she called her father is dead, and why it is that it's such a challenge now to try and change anything about the future he sees approaching. Really great collection of stories here in Crime Syndicate number four. So many great reasons why I think it's a five out of five pick. Can't wait to hear your thoughts as well. But I got to take a quick break. It's ad time. First two out of the way, three more to follow. But first, these great ads from the gang at DC Comics News. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35 that's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5 DCNEWS35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com Hi everyone I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, 
and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> <laughs> No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> Here's <laughs> hoping. 
We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want. God damn it. All right. We're gonna Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes. Content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. All right, and just like that, we are back. The ads are over. I'm still here with the windows open. You're going to hear some noise from the neighbors, but that's okay. We still got three great books to cover on episode number 108 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I decided to go for my fourth choice with Green Lantern number three. Written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Tom Rainey, Marco Santucci, colors by Michael Atia. Rob Lay on the letters, Bernard Chang and Alex Sinclair on the cover, with Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair on the variant cover. And yeah, I can hear the soft sort of snoring, roaring, rumbling, slumbering of my French Bulldog and my Pitbull. They are happy kids. I was really sort of getting a kick out of this story, because it opens with a fun environment. John Stewart, he's there, he's in a classroom, he's wearing a Letterman jacket, which just feels so right. And he's surrounded by Kilowog and so many other members of the uh, Green Lantern Corps. It's not a fitting memory for him, so soon he's transported to one that fits closer to how he got where he is. Which also invites a narrator to ask questions like how it is that he got past the barrier. And how is it that he came here on a ship and what happened to that ship and all the people who were on it and how did he survive that moment when the battery blew up and all of those lanterns who were seen taking off are actually not seen anymore well now we get the chance to discover that some of them survived some of them like Stuart were encapsulated in a bubble from a green lantern who you might recognize has the appearance of a mushroom. And through perhaps a spore, perhaps through uh, something similar to, maybe a a life bubble, um, a space bubble, a security bubble, a spore again, who knows? That's how Jon Stewart ended up on the place where he is. A place called Sergalon place that tries to stay off the radar because it doesn't want the attention of some dangerous figures who sometimes show up and create problems. Now, John, he's been there for a little while by the time trouble starts to set in. In fact, it's a little over 145 days when he has woken up from slumber on a day when he thought the people that he had met were going off to an event. However, 
what he discovers as well is that there's the things he thinks he knows and the things he would like to know better. Sakari, or yeah, I'm going to go with Sakari, and offspring Elo, they're kind, they're helpful, they're a little rusty and rustic. But when one of them is in danger, John does not hesitate to charge off and fight the good fight, which is where this story drops off for just a little bit. We get an opportunity to enjoy a really fun backup story, one in which we have one of my favorite new Green Lanterns, and that's Sojourner Moline. She has been the star of the title Far Sector, and in this backup story, she arrives to let everyone know what it is that she believes is of great concern. And that is the fact that something is happening to all of them, a plan, a plot by others that they were not prepared for and has created a number of scenarios that she, as one of the few surviving Green Lanterns, let alone one with an operable or operational ring, is there to provide some answers and some leadership. It's unique for everyone. I'm sure most of it has to do with the fact that from a historical perspective, nothing like this has ever occurred before. When something like this, something that's happening in the now, has no precedent, it's very difficult for those who are trying to make order and move forward to understand even how best to do that. Sojourner is doing her best, and she starts things out with a great message that sort of summarizes everything that's occurred up until now. And what it is that she is stating are her and the core's objectives. Now, of course, there are others she has to deal with, members of the United Planets, the fact that they are now looking to her as a counselor, since she's the only uh, figure who can help them out and offer any sort of guidance in response to what her community would like done. There's the fact that she doesn't take well to that, and that she knows that what happened was just the beginning, that there is still a threat attempting to wipe out all the Green Lanterns. Perhaps they would have made a move before, but now that they know she's on the scene, they are biding their time, waiting to see perhaps who else might not have been completely wiped out by the destruction of the Owen Battery. There is a little bit of recruitment done with Simon Baz, and also an attempt to make a connection with uh, Kelly, who is Teen Lantern, not Kid Lantern, and who is quick to point out that whatever it is they're trying to do isn't going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of work, and there's going to be challenges. And in the meantime... Sojourner does the one thing that you want her to do. She reaches out to the others. She lets them know that there is danger, that they need to bide their time, they need to wait, and she'll let them know when she thinks it just might be safe. And until then, there is danger. She will continue to check in, and if she doesn't, then that's when they know that something worse has happened, and they all need to be careful for their lives. It's an interesting and dangerous new threat for the core to be under, and I'm excited to see where the next turn takes us. Now, for my fourth book, I decided to go with Manbat number five. That's right, fourth choice, book number five. It's the finale to the Manbat series, uh, The Promise of Compromise. Dave uh, Wielgas providing the story with Sumit Kumar offering up great art 
Romulo Fajardo Jr. Did we just say that name? Uh, providing the colors with Tom Napolo Tano on the letters. Kyle Hotz and Alejandro Sanchez on the cover. And in this story, what I think I really enjoyed the most is uh, there's this feeling of maturity that's going on. I, I know that this series points out at the beginning that it is a prequel to events that occurred at different points in the timeline. And knowing what I know of Justice League Dark, it's really fun for me to watch this narrative spin the tale of Kirk and, and watch him struggle to see just how hard it is to walk the line when it comes to <laughs> being the man or being the monster. Now, the product of all of this leads to a fight between Batman, who has been injected with the poisonous toxin, and Man-Bat, because now there's a King-Bat... Uh, what is the word? Like, struggle for superiority, for dominance... And who's going to be the alpha, the king bat that is. But whether it's going to be Kirk or whether it's going to be Batman, that remains to be seen. Scarecrow is still causing all sorts of trouble. But Kirk's wife, Francine, is not afraid to <laughs> stick her nose, potentially, into the trouble. And she even gets off a couple of good shots before Scarecrow breaks out uh, a very powerful weapon that he's already employed and was a, a key factor in one of the stories about how Kirk was able to delude himself into thinking he was helping, that he was providing a cure much like the one he'd always promised he would give to his sister who suffered from hearing loss. The fight is interesting in that Kirk has an opportunity to become even worse, but instead chooses to become heroic, especially after dispatching with of Batman uh, by using a weapon of Batman's, which would be the Batwing, to his advantage, he works with Francine to stop, to help, to conquer Scarecrow, and to merge his two personalities and eventually find a way forward. What's great is discovering the way that Batman is able to set Kirk up at Blackgate Penitentiary, and how it is that this leads to a great conversation with Wonder Woman, one in which I love Kirk answering a question by saying, I'm ready to tell the truth. Beautiful story, well, well captured, just absolutely gorgeous combination of great storytelling by Wheelgoss, by uh, the phenomenal art of Sumit Kumar, the, the way that there's just this, like, unabashed feral ferocity from Man-Bat and the same sort of evil look reflected in Batman's eyes. The idea of a venom, a poisonous toxin that can do so much damage to even the best of us bring forth the worst natures. But overall, what I really loved was that all of this was used to capture a great story about a man conquering his demons, coming to grips with them, and learning to accept the person that he has become. Some things are so good, you save them for the end. And in this case, my fifth and final choice for this week's episode is The Nice House on the Lake, written by James Tynan IV, with art and cover by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, 
Jordi Belair providing the colors and will design with the letters. Martin Simmons with the variant cover and the 1 to 25 variant cover by Werther Deladera and Giovanna Nero. There are scary things in this world. There are terrifying ideas. And one of them just might be, how do you think it will all end? The world that we live in, our sense of existence, the way we define ourselves. And in this story, we meet a cast of characters all brought by a potentially benevolent, but maybe not so much. As we all come to learn at some point in our lives, sometimes benevolence hides some very, very ominous dangers. So it is that a figure named Walter invites characters, each one given a description, whether it's the artist or the writer or the comedian, the accountant, the reporter, the acupuncturist, the consultant, the doctor, or the pianist. They all have names, but you'll get to know those when you read the story. What's important is that they all have an association with each other, and they were all met by Walter, who invited them to this amazing place that happens to be a locale that a friend of his is willing to give to them for a week, maybe two. And since he was able to get in touch with a number of people and get them to come to visit, he makes sure that no expense is spared. They have an opportunity to eat and drink and be merry. And most of them are kind of oblivious to the outside world because they don't have signal on their smartphones, all except for one, the artist, whose name is Ryan Crane, who appears to be the uh, narrator at the beginning of this story and appears to be describing events somewhat further down the line. What it is that's discovered is a disaster, one that could be mistaken for natural or an attack, but one that is quickly explained as being something so very much more. And actually, the reality of that shocks and unmoors everyone at this event. The art is absolutely phenomenal. It captures so many great emotions, so many great moments, such a great atmosphere. The colors are equally sublime. The letters, the voices, the way conversations look like scribbles, except for significant words that stick out. And how overall, this is a beautiful story that captures a powerful idea about what it would mean to know something that most others don't and to have a vantage point an opportunity to live out potentially your best days, should you choose if you knew that everything else that you once knew was gone forever. It's a haunting, powerful look, and let me just say, if you thought that all of the horror line of comics at DC had ended with the Hill House line, well, let me just say that Nice House on the Lake is here to scare and here to show you that horror comes from many, many places. And with that, that brings me to an end. That great 5 out of 5 book is my finality episode number 108. Pleasure to hang out with you here. Go ahead and let us all know what you're thinking, what you know, what you want to know. Just use the at symbol in DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Find us on YouTube, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, and more. And when you do, send us a message, send us a question, tell us you love us, you hate us, you got problems, you got questions, and we'll get back to you. Of course, you can find us 
by looking for DC Comics News Podcast Network on whatever your favorite streaming device is. You can catch things like the DC Comics News Spinner Rack with me and my dogs in the background. You can catch the original weekly podcast, which tells you all about what's going on in movie, news, television, streaming, and more from DC Comics. Original programming like I Am the Night from Mr. Steve J. Ray or DCN After Dark with Kelly Gaines and Tony Hester. And it's with this I bring us to a great ending where I say the one thing you'll always hear at the end of a DC Comics News podcast episode, and that is to read more comics. Bye for now.